Thank you for downloading this episode of the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. This is episode 24. I'm Michelle Donkin. Andrew is out and about recording the next podcast. We are keeping them coming fast and furious throughout the fringe. Um, we are up in Edinburgh with our show Cacophony. It's on at Sweet Holyrood every day except for the 16th, 24th and 25th of August. Now in this episode we chatted to Abby McLaughlin and Stefania Bocchicchio from The Principle of Uncertainty. We also had a chat with Jane Pothelswaite from The House. Um, without Andrew here I think I'm going to keep this introduction to the podcast very short very sweet and i hope you enjoy hello and welcome to this episode of the cast iron theater podcast uh, coming to you from the sweet grass market in the heart of the edinburgh festival fringe and we have two people with us today. Uh, hello. 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 Let's introduce yourselves. Okay, I'm Abby McLaughlin, and I'm in The Principle of Uncertainty. I am Stefania Bocchicchio. I direct The Principle of Uncertainty. Fantastic. Uh, and so we, we were speaking just a moment ago about how early it is, uh, not in real terms, but for Edinburgh Fringe uh, performers and producers, it's quite early, and we've managed to get ourselves a, a coffee. Um, you were um, you, you were laying down your, your Italian heritage and uh, perhaps suggesting that what we we're having may not be coffee? Oh, of course not. It's dishwater. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you know, um, obviously we're all pro-European, we love you, I chose to make this country my home, but there are certain things that us Italians just cannot abide, and this is one of them. Let's start with this, so (laughs) what are we getting, we're we're trying, we're trying, Stefano, we're trying, Uh, what are we getting wrong? So coffee for uh, <laughs> How long are we, do we have for this podcast? Not, not long enough for this question. So. Uh, you've got to have the right machine. Yeah. You never wash it with soap. Yeah. Basically, you just rinse it because all that, you know, layers yes. of caffeine is just going to improve. My father um, came from the south of Italy. Yeah. And he used to maintain that my northern mother couldn't make a, a good oh, cup I see. of coffee. Yeah. Because even with a proper machine, what he used to do was to twist a little bit of paper around his finger yeah. and put it on the spout yeah. so that even the flavour of some uh, yeah. steam would stay on. And there you go. And you need a, you know, a cup of that first thing in the morning before the, you brush your teeth. There are so many people with uh, mild germ paranoias that are going, really? Is this, is this the way forward? Uh, yeah. Uh, don't let me start. How many fewer people used to have allergies then, you know? And that was all down to playing with dirt and drinking good coffee. Have you... And, and the two things are very similar in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you been able to find uh, a place in Edinburgh that sells... Um, a serviceable coffee. Good dirty mm. coffee. And no, you go for a dose or whatever, you yeah. know, and you gulp it down and sometimes it's it's just for the warmth. Yes. And sometimes you just hope that some residual caffeine will hit. Okay, yeah. Sometimes yeah, yeah. in yeah. the future. You I know. see, yeah. Mm. Uh, so we're not even gonna get started on how the English make pizza then. Do you? <laughs> That's the appropriate answer. Uh, uh, hello, Abby. How are you? <laughs> I am fine, thank you. I am lusting after a really dreadful coffee. Right yeah, now, yeah. I haven't had time for long. But. Um, where do you go for your? Um, 
appropriate. You know, you've been trained to to uh, your stamina for bad it. coffee is, is yeah. stronger. Uh, where where would I'm you have coffee? I'm quite happy to slum it, but um, there's a, there's a few nice places actually on Grass Market yeah. that give me a good kickstart first yeah. thing in the day, which is necessary before flyering. And how is the flyering going? Yeah, good, good, because it's very easy to sell quantum mechanics on the Royal Mile. Of course yeah. it is. Of course <laughs> it is. Well, well, you know, you can certainly say it's unlike any other show Pretty on the much. fringe. Um, and you, you, you're not going to be, you know, dressed in a Victorian outfit lying down on the ground. Yeah, I'm, yeah blood. I have no big balloon head or, no. or, or gimmick. But actually, it's quite self-selecting. If I shout about quantum mechanics enough, yes. a fair few people do come over to me. And actually, they're usually the people in the clown masks and the balloon heads. Yes. Because they're all secret geeks. There's got to be some sort of science to that yeah. about... Um, how one would fly and uh, what sort of um, dynamics you're going to attract. Yeah, I think it would make an interesting pie chart, actually, of people that, that, that wear clown heads and then come to physics lectures. Well, let's uh, uh, chat about that. What is, what is the show about? How could you sell that? Well, I suppose the conceit is it is a physics lecture, but there's a play hidden within the lecture. So you have some jaw-dropping physics yeah. um, and it is impeccable because the play is written by a chap with two PhDs Yeah. because um, why would you just have one no uh, <laughs> what's the collective name for uh, um, a, a boffin I guess a boffin of yeah, PhDs, PhDs, PhDs I think um, so within the impeccable science which is the sort of introduction to the wonder of the universe yeah. comes this beautiful story that sort of is unfolded throughout yeah. and the science feeds into that personal story I'm not yes. going to reveal too much but um, it's beautifully written and it's a joy yeah. to perform it and that's, I guess, the sense of uh, because we're currently in a bit of a renaissance of enjoying um, science on the on the te- television and on the radio, mm-hmm. and uh, indeed uh, uh, live lectures. And it tends to be about finding those moments of intimacy and those small moments inside the huge. Yeah, and that the, those wonderful moments where where the, the large jaw dropping stuff can relate straight back to the personal. So yeah. I suppose the play brings in sort of what what joins up quantum physics with our, our lives really. yeah. and without wanting to give anything away there is a specific line in the script um, that says you know that starting from the tenets of what quantum mechanics is yeah. trying to understand the implications for us yeah. is what really uh, the whole play rests upon because yeah, uh, many scientists give us reasons as to why we're all connected and we're, 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 how we're all unified. On a similar note, I've suddenly realised that the pattern of the carpet that we're sitting on in this um, theatre makeshift studio is well, well. Brian Cox would have a field day, he wouldn't really he? Would yeah. Some, I think he designed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's his sideline designing wall-to-wall carpets. It's the Overlook Hotel designed by Brian Cox. <laughs> Do come, come it's lovely. Come um, and stay forever and ever and ever. Um, so we managed to get one geek reference in every episode. Um, so um, essentially, because uh, uh, we mentioned this before in a previous uh, episode, uh, this is arguably part of the uh, hashtag Solo Ladies Alliance. Yes. Because uh, it's one of the um, uh, uh, solo women's plays. Um, Our sisters are doing it for ourselves this well, year. Exactly. Like, yeah, uh, we're I, standing up together. It's brilliant. Uh, I bumped into um, somebody, and I'm going to misquote her, but uh, she's got um, a uh, one-woman show on at the Pleasance, and she was saying, every man for himself, but the the women are helping out each other. That's it. Yes. Yeah. There is a a bit of a sisterhood vibe, which is Mm. fantastic. And that's quite important, isn't it, in terms of, especially by now, on the 11th of August when we're recording this, it can get a bit of a punishing routine, the Fringe. Yeah. Uh, You know, you're 
going to accept no coffee. Uh, <laughs> so how are you surviving the fringe? Well, you, you were telling me about it last night. Well, um, a, it's not my first fringe. No? So you develop uh, some sort of routine. And also because I... I do several things. I work as a publicist yeah. as well as a producer and this time a director. And when I have to prep new companies, yes. is always reach out, make friends, yeah. and do not feel in competition with anyone else And um, because we're all in the same boat yeah. together. Absolutely. So uh, when you're feeling a bit down, talk about it with somebody yeah. that you made friends with. Um, Liking life, it really does not um, pay off to keep things for yourself. And also, you know, if you're feeling down, don't feel ashamed about yeah, it. Yeah. Because it, it's part of the game that we, and we know, I mean, it's like being in this pressure cooker. Yeah. So things are so magnified that you can reach tremendous heights for silly reasons <laughs> and then you know the stupid reviews arrive yeah. and blah. but really it is very important to keep that in context and if you can't do it yourself reach out for help yeah I mean that's so important isn't it when there's um, 3,300 other shows if you're going to set yourself in competition with them you're going to lose yeah, absolutely um, and absolutely. so yeah there's and I'm certainly aware, again, when we're flyering, where there's um, occasionally people who will be handing out flyers and they won't engage in conversation or take your flyer because they will well, no, I want to sell my show. Mm. If, if, I, if I sell, if I, if I let somebody go to your show, then I'm going to lose out on a potential customer. Whereas um, <laughs> the Venn diagram of, of shows are not necessarily always going to cross over. It's, it's quite fun actually out on the mile. I've, I've had a lot more positive than negative with other performers. Mm. Fantastic. Um, and a lot of people sort of working, uh, sort of in that sense of the spirit that you kind of want to foster and encourage that yeah. everybody is cross-feeding and there's information. And exactly. well, if you like that show, well, you might like this show. And, and people are actually taking the time to, to stop from the, the mass flyering to talk to each other. But, but as you said, I mean, if you think of yourself in competition with 3,299, yeah. yes. you, obviously you lose. Yeah. But you f if you think of yourself in alliance with 3,000, yeah. oh, yeah. then, uh, yeah. yeah. How oh, can you lose? Yeah, yeah. Um, you said you're you're directing now. Uh, did, did I understand correctly? This is your first time directing. No. Okay. So um, uh, this is my directorial debut at the Fringe. I see. Yeah. And my life has been one long zigzag <laughs> of different strands. Yeah. But basically, I studied um, semiotics and theatre at university in Bologna. Um, good coffee, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's a bit of a commute, though. Yeah, it is a bit. <laughs> it's probably worth it a bit. Yes, on the course there. And then I was a music journalist uh, full-time for about 10 years. Yeah. That branched off into PR. I, I directed some shorts and a number of documentaries. I went into radio and television and produced the first television series when I was 26. Wow. Um, it was a youth magazine type of program which still remains the most watched in, <laughs> in Italy. And, and then people started asking me to direct their shorts yeah. or their um, plays. 
And then, you know, it's word of mouth. Um, as a freelancer, sometimes for a couple of years, you do just one thing because sure. by word of mouth. Then I had this idea of starting a new theatre in London, as you do. That's clearly, uh, <laughs> you know, absolutely. There's, there's no, we're talking about competition. There's no competition for you there. No, no, exactly. I saw this space and I loved it. Yeah. And so I got in with the people who managed it, yep. and it is in, at the Elephant and Castle in London, and from scratch. And for the past two and a half years, uh, we had this, this space called Draper Hall. Yes. Beautiful. So I could start programming without having to ask anybody else's opinion, <laughs> which was great. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's the And in the, because my philosophy there is you must not think of possible bums on seats. Yeah. But if you go with what you absolutely love that you've seen, you're likely to yeah. find other people who have your same taste and want to go onto that adventure with you. Yeah. And so somewhere like Elephant and Castle, that's going to be so busy uh, that you're going to be well primed for an uh, atmosphere like Edinburgh Fringe. Yes, no, I've been taking quite a number of um, shows that I've seen at the Edinburgh yeah. Fringe. Um, the Gospel According to Jesus Queen of Heaven yeah. by Joe Clifford, Emily Cardin's uh, Richard III yeah. inaugurated my first proper um, theatre season, and we did three weeks with the principle of uncertainty, yeah. which, by the way, in this version is... Um, I, was th I was thinking about it, how to call it. This is the unplugged version. Yeah. It was unplugged. always the unplugged. But also I swapped the gender of the um, protagonist from the original I think, from yeah. the original version. Very specifically because I could invest the central character with a more rounded emotional arc, yes. Yeah. There's yes. much more to it, I think, yes. as, a, as a female. Yes. That, that's not to be sort of crass about the no. sex divide, but that it does, and without giving any spoilers, it totally, it, it, I think it works beautifully, um, very powerfully. Um, and so that's um, about the fourth show in a row I've done that I've been playing a character that was initially written as a bloke, which I think is interesting of itself, actually. This. Um, like, well, does that say um, more about the fact that you are well suited to roles that are originally written as that emotional arc, or does that more bluntly say that? As writers, we default to male. Yeah, um, and probably I need to deal with my facial hair better. <laughs> um, no, I do. I think um, I think it is that they're, they're, they're all roles that were typically perfect for chaps. They were all uh, doctors or yeah. scientists, um, and, and as a reasonably bright woman, um, going in and taking them and adding something to the mix is working really very yeah. well. And it is. It's those great roles that were initially envisaged for blokes, which we can now roll our sleeves up and have a and, and bring something extra that emotional dynamic that particularly in this play, really does add something. Uh, and it's strange because I was attached as a publicist to start with in 2013 with the first incarnation of this play. Yeah. And from day one, I could see this other version in almost superimposed. Yeah. And the more I watched the first version, the more I could see this central female character emerging. Yeah. So when I finally got the go-ahead from the playwright, yeah. 
I only had one choice, and that was Abby. And it, I was very fortunate that she said yes because I didn't have a plan B, ah. <laughs> which I think is amazing. Thank you. Well, that's that's quite um, that uh, gives me a little bit of a an insight into how you are as a producer and director on not having a plan B, not to um, sort of indicate that you might be sort of steadfastly, I'm not going to be moved from this, but to be quite sort of passionate and focused and going, let's, even if it's impossible, let's go that way and find out how impossible it is kind of after we've done it. Yes. Th- also, I think, and I've been mulling it over during these days, um, there is a very, very noticeable uh, advantage in being so tired and not having the time to worry. So the momentum carries you through. Instead of starting to think, you know, I cannot single-handedly start a new theatre. And you go, no, you you look backwards and you go, look, look, there it is. And with this, um, before we we did the debut in London, we didn't have an awful lot of time, but mm. the character emerged yeah, very, very yeah, quickly, very and she was formed. completely She's formed all rounded. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it made sense to both of us very quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we we really felt her coming through. Yeah. Yes, yeah, she was quite fun. Well, I was going to um, ask you about that in terms of uh, do you think you'd hang out with her? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, I would. I'd probably need to give her a hug, but yes, I would. <laughs> um, yeah, she's interesting. We, this it sounds, it feels like just the beginning of the conversation, but it's really, it has to be almost the end of the conversation, because uh, I could quite comfortably sort of, um, yeah, that feels like just a prologue, and, it, and, it, and it's not going to be. Um, so I'm going to sort of like throw a couple of questions at you, which uh, we tend to end all our mm-hmm. podcasts with. I've already spoken to you about where you go to Edinburgh for a good coffee, and... And the answer is I don't. You don't, no. Yes. Let's talk about uh, where, in those little impossible moments of calm when you're trying to take a moment for yourself, is there in anywhere in Edinburgh where you sort of like to hang out? Uh, yes, but now everybody's going to go there. That is the risk. <laughs> that is the risk. There's a, a little falafel place just round the corner from Fringe Central oh, yes. called The Nile Bar. Yeah. And they have a, a back room which is a heaven of ah. quiet. And, um, okay, I tend to survive on falafels in, <laughs> at the Fringe, but their falafels uh, are splendidly moist. Yeah. But also you could have some fried aubergines with Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> When people are printing out their reviews on their posters, I don't think anybody will have a review as inviting as splendidly moist. Um, <laughs> it resonated with me too, yeah. but I wasn't going to comment. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Abby, is there anywhere that you like I to hang out? I can't match splendidly <laughs> no. moist. I go to let me eat. Which yeah, yeah. If you tie those two together, we go to a very different place. Um, that's, that, that's your next fringe hour. <laughs> yeah, it is, I think. Um, because it's madly busy and, yeah. and you sort of plonk down and you end up sharing a table and sure. you can engage or not and... Um, and it's actually just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hiding in plain sight so that the, fr- yes. the frenetic nonsense happens around you and you can choose to be part of it, but the food is amazing. That is a startling thing about um, the Fringe as well in that people um, do hide in plain sight and by which I mean sort of, um, you know, somebody on a celebrity basis that somebody uh, that's got um, a major primetime BBC show will be sitting next to you or sort of go, I- I- I'm not going to be that guy, yeah. I'm just going to carry on. 
and then leave suddenly. Um, <laughs> uh, this might be a, a quite, quite good question, but based on the fact that your hour is a, a science hour, uh, when you were a kid, perhaps you invented something that uh, was a really good idea, but nobody else um, came up with until they did, and they got to the idea before you did. Maybe you invented the internet browser before computers, I don't know. Um, and um, somebody else has been made a millionaire since then. Does that re- resonate with anybody? Mm, me, I'm still waiting for my utopian moneyless society to kick in. Oh, yes. I came up with that when I was yeah. very small and it hasn't happened yet, but it's coming. I think it's coming. We have nothing to fear from ruins. Well, you know, the current political climate may, yeah, yeah. may well yeah. sort of enforce that for you. See, the, the two things that have been mentioned most in the um, podcast uh, this week have been the current political climate and let me eat so the, oh, well, there we are. the two survivors <laughs> yeah yeah i think i invented the driver driverless uh, car when i was about five yeah because um sitting on the back seat of my parents car i thought why don't we invent like rails that cars could get yeah. into and then everybody could relax and we could punch in somehow our destination yeah. and just get off when when we reach it. So you've got monorail and sat now yes. in, in the same See? Sort of thought. Yeah. See, age, <laughs> age five and nobody listened to me. No. No, it's it, it, it's it's not good enough. The um, of babes, we should we should pay attention to the younglings. Yeah, and um, I have a question that I'd like to ask is again in the moments that you don't have, are there any other shows on the fringe that you uh, have caught, you're hoping to catch that you'd recommend? I'm madly excited to catch Richard the Third, yeah. Emily Carding. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to catch that when I was last here, but yes. our shows clashed, and um, I'm very excited to see that. That's got me excited. Yeah, Cast Iron Theatre uh, caught that in the Brighton Fringe uh, at the Duke Box, and it's just a, yeah, a, a grand show. And um, as as you said, uh, that was in your, part I, of your I, inaugural. She uh, inaugurated my first proper theatre season, so I'm very very proud yeah. that I facilitated the uh, London debut, which was really strange because when I saw her, um, other programmers seemed to really like it, but nobody made the first proposal. And in a stalkerish way, (laughs) I actually waited for her to come off stage. She was still in, you know, full garb. And I went, come to me. (laughs) And I had no theatre. Basically, uh, it was a room. So come to, you know, this space. And bless her, she said yes. And... If I'm not mistaken, she did it for the first time in the round at uh, Draper Hall. And if it wasn't the first time, we did it in the round anyway. It worked fantastically well. And because uh, Draper Hall is not totally um, soundproof, um, you could hear when sirens were going by. And one evening, as... Richard was ordering the murder of the Lady <laughs> Anne. Um, a really, really loud siren went by, yeah. and Emily just said, "Well, that was efficient." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I loved her for it. <laughs> yeah, 
the beauty of great improvisation. Um, so uh, we should um, remind ourselves uh, the name of the show, the location of the show, and the time of the show. The Principle of Uncertainty, 7pm every night, and we're over in Sweet Hollywood, so that is um, 81 Hollywood. Excellent. Venue number 94, come along. Fantastic. Uh, so thank you both. Uh, it's been a great podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back. Uh, this is the uh, second part of episode 24 of the uh, Cast Iron Theatre podcast, still coming to you from the sweet grass market uh, here at the Edinburgh Fringe. I was almost going to say Brighton Fringe uh, yeah. because, um, well, you, you look quite familiar. Yeah, we've, I'm not sure that we've actually met properly, but we sort of we, we walk eyes. in the same circles, uh, and I've um, not had a chance yet because I've always been doing the Brighton Ghost Walk at the same time uh, to, <laughs> to come along. Oh, right. Um, That's you. Ringing that bell, yeah. I'm so sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, one of the reasons uh, I'm believing I recognize you is because of the uh, bad book project, uh, which is a Brighton thing, uh, which you run, you create that. Uh, Let's uh, talk about what that is, yeah. So, it's been going two years in Brighton, and um, I did a acting diploma a few years back um, to build up my confidence and kind of led me into comedy, yeah, but um. When we were doing that, we'd often go to charity shops and b- find bad scripts yeah. or bad stories. And I thought, wouldn't it be great in Brighton to kind of bring <laughs> people together and just read these awful things? Yeah. And there's a video on YouTube of Kristen Wiig reading from Suzanne Somers, <laughs> who's American model actress type. Yeah. And she has a book of poems. So it's Kristen Wiig reading out a Suzanne Somers poem, and it's just excellent. Yeah. I found that about seven years ago, and I went, that's the kind of night I sure, want yeah. people coming up and just reading celebrity autobiographies or their diaries. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a brand new, you know, amazing idea. It's kind of like a mix yeah. of different nights that already exist, like um, Robin Inter's Bad Book Club, yeah. um, Moth, which is storytelling, That's right, yeah. Cringe, which is childhood diaries. Yeah. And it's just kind of, um, it's a bit, um, kind of roll your sleeves up and get involved um, the night's always quite random always different and yeah. yeah we do that once a month Yeah. at the Blue Man in Brighton and yeah. the Blue Man also own Village which is a pub in Hanover where yeah. all the families live um, <laughs> so we've been trialling it there we've done two oh, there at Village on a Sunday night at seven Yes. Um, and that's been quite nice it's, it's like a cosy night um Everyone always has a laugh. The comedians really like it. Yeah. And we've got comedians, writers, kind of creative people who want to come and read. Um, but they enjoy it too because it's something different for them. Yeah. Um, so basically they have to kind of pitch the book or the story and, and then why it's bad and demonstrate that. Yeah. And every time it's completely different. Um, and how often, if at all, do you get to read a book yourself? Each time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of skim through a book, I cheat. But I find all <laughs> these really weird American books, yeah. like about... Um, for like teenagers about uh, from Christians saying you know don't listen to Satan yes things like that or very feminist anti-feminist books from the 60s they're quite a treat as well um there is one uh, which I think is um, that I've heard of might be a bit later might be 70s which is just called Woman or Women and it's uh proposes to be like a scientific study of um female sexuality but it's clearly just this doctor boasting about the 14 or 15 different women that he slept with in the last 18 oh months. God. 
and it's just a sort of a a bed notching post book. Sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Come read it. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so uh, you may have already said, um, answered this question, but have, do you have a favourite bad book that you've um, discovered in the in the seven years? I read uh, Miley Cyrus's <laughs> book, she her autobiography she yeah. wrote when she was fifteen, sixteen. That's quite a treat. Yeah. Um, was it Dora Heard or something like that? Is that an actress name? There is a Thor Heard, Heard yes. Thor yeah. that's it. Thor Heard's got a lovely. Um, is it Thor Heard? Or for a birch, I have seen that mistake in a TV listings mm. where for for Heard was meant to be in a film called The Hole. I can't. Oh, I've, I can't remember it now. Okay. There's been so many. Yeah. yeah, over two years, there's been so many. But I do like the celebrity autobiographies. Yeah. Because they're writing it. They're trying to write. Well, they're ghostwriters. Yes. Write it in their voice. Yeah. So when you read it all the beats are there and stuff yeah. and like the way they pronounce things of course, or say yeah. things so that's quite fun to play with beautiful and uh, you're here uh, with the, at the Edinburgh Fringe with your own uh, show uh, yeah. an hour or what's that um, so my show this year is called The House it's set in Cumbria last year my show was called Made in Cumbria yeah. as well I'm Cumbrian um, and it's five different characters women Yeah. and this year they're all at the house and um, it's actually based on a real life house in the Lake District which is a Georgian house on, on an island in the middle of a lake oh, okay. so when the audience come in they see like a welcome video to put them where, where they are yeah. and then they're at the house kind of meeting new people and there's a there's a mystery yeah yeah and they get to be part of the show there's a lot of audience interaction yes and they get to be yeah something's just happened and the audience are involved so there's a um, it's not purely then a, a, a character sketch show there's actually a narrative it's a play yeah all the characters link up there's an overall arc and story it hopefully gets wrapped up at the yeah. end um, it changes every single day. I, th- I think that happens for everyone's shows. It's developing, yeah. and obviously it's the audience, who you get in the audience as well. Sure. Sometimes they're very quiet, other times yeah. they're, really, they're really up for getting involved. Because I picked up on the word you just said then about hopefully it gets wrapped up by the end. Is that yeah. not a guarantee? <laughs> um, I keep changing the ending. Oh, okay. Yeah, I keep changing it. That's a good excuse to get the audiences to come back. Yeah, come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm still, yeah, I'm quite a perfectionist, so I'm still thinking, oh, is that right? Could it be better? Could yeah. It? I guess everyone's feeling like that at the Fringe. Absolutely. Is, this is, obviously isn't your first uh, second, Fringe. Second? second? Oh, just second. Yeah, okay. only second. I've only been kind of doing this three, three and a bit years. Yeah. Um, and decided to write, write my own show a couple of years ago. Just went for it. Sure. Did my characters. I was kind of fed up. I know my accent's a bit wishy-washy, but I've been in Brighton for 12 years. Yeah. But I'm Cumbrian, and I was kind of fed up of seeing um, character comedians. Yeah. They would do a character, so if they wanted to do someone thick and stupid, yeah. they'd do a northern accent. I see, yeah. And that really gets my go. Like, I just, I'm thinking, you're just putting that on because it's a funny accent. Yeah. And you're getting cheap laughs. Yeah. It really annoys me. So with my characters, I want them to be kind of layered. I do kind of study the different accents within Cumbria yeah. and roundabout. Because um, it changes. Like, yeah. you just drive, like, ten minutes and it's a, a different village and a different yeah. accent. I'm really interested in that. 
Um, so that's what I try and do with my, my characters. So it's like a kind of reclamation of, of the North. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and not in a cheesy, oh, we all eat pies. No. Not that kind of thing. It just... Um, very dark humour yeah. I enjoy playing with. Yeah. And so um, this being your sophomore year, your second sort of year of doing a, a full hour at Edinburgh, what what have you what did you bring from your first year to sort of embolden you or terrify you about year two? Um, it was like writing a st- difficult second album. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I had success with Made in Cumbria, I kind of I did it at Brighton Fringe, and then the year after I did it again, but a different version of it. Yeah. So I'd had a year or two to work on that script yeah. and work with uh, directors and things. This year I had a couple of directors let me down, and um, so I felt like I wasn't as prepared. Yeah. Um, but this year, I was really tightly scripted last year. Yeah. From doing like acting and things like that, and if some if there was more improv, sometimes it would throw me off. Sure. Whereas this year, I've let there be some space. Yeah. To play off the char- to play off the audience, sorry, and that's been quite enjoyable to play and have fun. Yeah. And last year, I was kind of really wanting good reviews, and you know, I was trying to get an agent. And this of year, I'm like, I'm not too bothered about no. that. I just want to have fun. I want to push myself. Yeah. Um, they're kind of the main things and just becoming a better writer and performer really and this year just see as many shows yeah. as I can yeah because we can get trapped can't we in terms of the Edinburgh Fringe of wanting to be that year's discovery being that yeah. year's breakout and it's not that easy a task really is it even if you no. are deserving of such and because I've only been going a few years I don't really want that yet I mean I think I'm quite lucky I don't have an agent yeah I am just like stealth, just under the radar. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. People recognise my name, but I'm not like famous or anything, and that's quite nice because it takes the pressure off. So I can have fun this yeah. year, and I can experiment and do new characters. I haven't got anyone breathing down my neck, going, "You need to be going out every night sure. doing gigs." Yeah. So I, I quite like, yeah, not being there yet. Like, yeah. I think. For a five-year plan, I still want to be doing this in ten years. Like, yeah. Five years, I think. Okay, in five years. Um, I want to be writing award-winning stuff. Yeah. But at the moment, I think if you got there now, I think there's nowhere you, you could go. Yeah, yeah. It'd be awful if you just. I, I feel sorry for these people who just been start off in comedy and then all of a sudden they got these awards. Yeah. And there's so much expectation on them and they're just not ready because they haven't put in the. The spade work. Yeah. 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 And, I, and all of that might um, sound like protesting too much, but there's a great logic there especially when you talk about being stealth because if nobody's heard of you yet mm. that means you can get to be great at four different things rather than being pigeonholed in one thing yeah i'm getting a couple of people have said which is quite interesting that my humor is like the league of gentlemen yeah she's t- someone wrote something said she's too derivative of the league of gentlemen yeah i mean how can you be too de- it's like i'm a one woman show yeah that's four guys yeah. three of them who perform yeah it's just because I'm northern and my humour's dark, dark yeah. so they just compare me to the only other thing that's sure. northern and dark. And if, another friend of mine, um, Kiri Pritchard McLean, who's a um, stand-up, and she does Gaines Family Gift Shop. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they get called of course the is, yeah, next yeah. League of Gentlemen yeah. as well. So it's quite nice that I haven't got another female to be compared to. No. But 
you're comparing me to four guys. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> interesting line because I mean I adore uh, the League of Gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, but for anybody to be called derivative of them, I mean, bless them, they're original and they're smart, but their gag was to be derivative because uh, a lot of their main gags and influence are taken from Amicus and Hammer Horror and stuff. Yeah. And also, in real terms, if we're talking about Edinburgh, they're 20 years old now. Yeah. So it's time for, you know, somebody yeah. else to be able to take, take the uh, next uh, mantle, whatever that means, yeah. even if it is in that sort of easy labelling of northern and dark. Um, mm. I guess that means, even if we um, accept it, that that allows you to move into a, a tradition. We don't really talk about traditions in comedy. We n- normally attribute that to literature of a, a moment in time. But it might be that between the 90s and now that there's um, a recognition of a tradition of northern darkness and response, that whole acceptance, you know, post-Ken Loach sort of thing of um, examining sort of... I don't know, to use the sort of the cliches, that sort of wetness and darkness of, of that part of the country. Yeah, I mean, it's I was brought up on dark humour. Yeah, like in the countryside, things die and you see <laughs> things you should not see. Like when my auntie's next door neighbour was an old guy, Bill, and one day we're all walking to school, and Bill's in the field next to his house digging a ditch with a bag full of kittens, <laughs> filling the ditch with water, throwing the kittens in, and putting soil over it. Well, we're like all. <laughs> Just staring like me and my cousins, like, oh my god, yeah. So stuff like been exposed to that at yeah. a very young age. Very Ted Hughes, isn't it? Yeah. Early purges. <laughs> early purges. I lived the early purges and seen a friend, you know, dad skin rabbits and stuff, and yeah. Yeah. That's a whole sort of. And it's just dark humour. Like yeah. you, you go home and you find out who's died or who's dying. Like that. That's the. So That's me. a letter from grandmother. Yeah. I, I, my grandmother <laughs> uh, sent my mum uh, uh, a letter once, and I, although I have Irish heritage, I'm not even going to attempt to do the accent. And the letter was so beautifully uh, written in terms of, uh, Dear Francis, um, how are you? Do you remember uh, Jonah, who used to give you sweets? Well, he's dead. And uh, do, you, do you remember uh, Lucy, uh, who used to live in the church next uh, to us? Well, she's dead too. Well, um, <laughs> write back soon, otherwise it'll be my turn next, <laughs> love, uh, Mum. <laughs> Lovely. So, yes, um, as I was saying in for our first guests, uh, this feels like the prologue to uh, a chat, but it's, uh, you know, because we're at the Edinburgh Fringe, we're having to cut down our um, hour-long chat, so it is normally down to 15 minutes, and we're on the 15-minute mark now. Oh um, so I should uh, throw at you our sort of uh, yes. questions that we normally ask at the end of the podcast. Uh, the first being, uh, you said uh, one of your mission statements this year is to see as many shows as you can. Yeah. Uh, I know I- I'm sympathetic to the fact that you'll forget about 18 of them now when I ask, you uh but what's on your list or what has been on your list i've been checking out my competition oh yeah that's very good uh yesterday i went to see some stand-ups who as four or five star people yeah they had very very low audience Mm. i had more audience in than them Ah, that made me feel good yeah um i love at the pleasance um great british mysteries question mark in the cellar yeah that's um two people i know male and female um, solving mysteries it's like storytelling oh, I see. but yeah. really fun and they use projector yeah. on the back wall I'd go see that again yeah. um, who else did I go see Erin McGathy oh yes I really want to see that yeah Murder Town yeah. I'd definitely go and see that yeah. again um, she she does all different characters and never leaves the stage That's, that sounds really exciting really good um, obviously I saw Gaines Family Gift Shop yeah. very good I'm hoping to see Kiri 
uh, Richard McLean's stand up tonight. Yeah. Um, so just uh, just all the female character comedies. Yeah. Catriona and not. I saw that last night. That was good. Did that you? was good. great yeah. fun. Yeah. I was on her Radio Four play. Oh, excellent. I had a little part in it. Oh, yeah. wonderful. It's nice. Um, so just yeah, other women doing. Yeah. I, I kind of came here going, is my show silly? Am I stupid? Am I having a breakdown? Yeah. And then you go and look at other people's shows and you're like, nope, just like me. Yeah. And, and even if it is silly, stupid, having a breakdown, that's yeah. a good fringe hour. Yeah. Um, and as we said in the, in the first uh, half of the podcast, uh, that means that that um, essentially makes you part of the hashtag Solo Ladies Alliance, which is the thing that's going on Twitter uh, uh, at the moment for the Edinburgh Fringe this year. And it's lots of um, one-woman shows sort of, um, of retweeting each other and sharing each other. And, you need to get involved in that hashtag. I think you need to get involved in that hashtag, yeah. And um, Cast Iron Theatre uh, is uh, on its own Twitter. It's um, giving a shout-out to a, a woman's show every day of the Fringe. Oh, um, so... Uh, as an example, we haven't given a shout out to Emily uh, Carding with Richard III just yet because um, she's not here until later on in the fringe. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're sort of um, so we already gave out a shout out to Katarina Knox uh, for the show last, and we've done you know what is it the tenth? So we've done it at least ten times already this fringe. So we're um, we're, we're not going to run out. There's going to be about you know thirty solo performers that we're yeah. going to miss out. Um, so yeah, that's the hashtag Solo Ladies Alliance um, and hashtag One Woman Show at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, and yeah, the other thing that I would want to ask you is, um, wh- when you were a kid, did you have an invention? Did you have an idea? Did you have an idea for a great or bad book that um, somebody else got to? Uh, not a bad book. What I used to do, I used to have a Ribena carton. Yeah. And I'd lift the straw up so it was like a walkie-talkie. Yes. And then I'd put a label on it with, um, like, a screen yes. and numbers, like it was a mobile phone. You invented the iPhone? I did. And because it was a Ribena, a, a, a Ribena car, and you essentially invented the Blackberry. It was going to be the Blackberry, yeah. <laughs> Blackcurrant. It was yeah. the Blackcurrant. They stole it from me. Uh, we are going to have Blackcurrant iPads and everything. Beautiful. Yeah, I invented that, and I used to, it's like six or seven years old, Yeah, would be like, wouldn't it be cool if you could carry your phone, and it was this yeah, big yeah. and tiny, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's been stolen from you. <laughs> stolen. stolen from you. Yeah. Do you have a place in Edinburgh where you like to um, drink your Ribena? Do you have a sort of a hangout spot I where you are? I have a Hula Juice Bar, oh, yeah. just off Grass Market. Yeah. Uh, is it Victoria Road? Victoria oh, okay. Road, whatever it's called, the one that goes up. Um, they do juices and smoothies because I am alcohol free ah. and very healthy. So they do the gluten free, dairy free, all of that gubbins. All the frees. All the frees yeah. and very healthy. Yeah. yeah. And that's quite important in Edinburgh to get a, a shot of something that's, you something know. Healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I have been craving chips, but I haven't had any. No. Oh, well done. Yeah. How, how long do you think it will be before you um, give in to that craving? I don't know. Maybe PMT kicks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. They, they, they could not possibly be a better end and a beat to end the podcast on. So, Jane Bobsweet, uh, thank you for a great chat. Let's um, say you. before I let you go, I almost forgot, uh, let's um, give our listeners a reminder of the name of the show, yeah. the location of the show, and the time of the show. The show is The House. Um, it's follow on from Made in Cumbria. It is at Apex Hotels uh, Suite Venues, half past one every day, apart from Wednesdays. Excellent. Um, uh, have a I hope you have a great Wednesdays off. Uh, Jane Pothwaite, thank you very much. Thank you. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. 
Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donkey. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, cast underscore iron acts. On Facebook, ironclad cast iron, or one word. Our website is castironbrighton.weebly.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening.